Shreya Sharma here, and welcome to this bonus episode of Audio Currents. In a few short seconds here, you're going to listen to my interview with Julia Barton, the VP and Executive Editor at audio production house Pushkin Industries. Earlier this year, Pushkin released an audio anthology called The Best Audio Storytelling 2022. Curated by Julia, this anthology presents the best moments in nonfiction audio storytelling from last year. The anthology takes from podcasts, audiobooks, and radio. So I picked Julia to be my first interview because I believe that just like me, she too gets that oral storytelling is more than just one type of medium, like podcasts or audiobooks. Let's hear from Julia on why this anthology was born, how it blurs the lines between different types of audio, and what lies in its future. Hey, Julia Barton, how are you doing today? I'm great, thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we start getting into the questions here. Sure. I'm the vice president and executive editor at Pushkin Industries, which is an audio production house based in New York. I help develop some of our top shows like Revisionist History, Against the Rules, Cautionary Tales, and a lot more. I also manage a team of editors, and I've worked on audiobooks like Fauci, The Bomber Mafia, some of our other titles you know, behind the scenes. Julia, what is the significance of audio in your life? I started out in radio in the 1990s, public radio in the United States. Um, I was pursuing an MFA in nonfiction writing. And then I just got recruited to work at the local NPR affiliate on campus. It was an AM station and I was working at night and the station was powered down in Iowa City. So like nobody could hear me, which was really good because I was so bad at my job. <laughs> and I got minimum wage and I learned a lot on the job, but I found it fascinating because it was a subculture. Audio production was a subculture. It was still analog, but it was just at the cusp of becoming digital. Broadcasting was becoming digital just barely. So I got to see the sort of analog world of cutting tape patch bays and so forth. And then the transition to digital. And I just decided that's what I wanted to do with my career. I liked studying writing and I enjoy writing. And it's come in handy as an editor now of nonfiction writers. Um, but I felt like it was a craft and I appreciated that. So my parents were musicians, so I was probably primed for that <laughs> decision. But um, it's just been fascinating to me as you know, transitioning now from broadcasting to podcasting and audiobooks production. Um, it's a very dynamic world and it's a really challenging craft. And I just, I love working with people and training people and listening, you know, to the stuff that my colleagues are making. Yeah, that's amazing. It sounds like it was literally in your blood. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Sweet. Um, tell us a little bit about the Best Audio Storytelling 2022 project. So this is a project that we created at Pushkin. Um, it was a, it was truly a collaboration. Um, the idea came from our CEO, Jacob Weisberg. I'd been needling him to do some kind of audiobook project about audio storytelling, you know, because it's really hard to read about something and then it's something that you have to imagine in your head, like audio. Um, and we'd been doing these sort of other projects in the audiobook space, like Miracle and Wonder, which is an, sort of a musical biography of Paul Simon in collaboration with Malcolm Gladwell and Bruce Headlam, who interviewed him, but also, you know, dove deep into his songs. And it's the kind of project that, you know, it needs to be done in audio. It just doesn't work on the page. And so I, w I felt the same way just about our craft that people need to hear it and they need to think about 
what's going on as they listen to things? How are the moves that we create in narrative audio affecting them? And a little more consciousness about it, because it is a constructed form, but it has the feeling of speech, right? It is speech, but it's constructed speech. So it has a kind of illusion of ease. And so there's a tension there that I wanted to explore. And he was like, that's a really great idea. I just would like to test the waters with something that's a little easier to make and explain. <laughs> I was like, fine. Um, and so he suggested this um, anthology idea, you know, which is a very popular form in the book space already, right? So you have best American short stories, you have best American essays, um, these sort of nonfiction magazines uh, that are real groundbreakers like GQ or Esquire have published anthologies of their essays. It's a way to um, curate and compile material that might otherwise just sort of be lost in the stacks. And it's very, very true of audio now too. There's so much good stuff being made and a curation project is a way to shake it up and recompile what's being made in a different light. So I got really excited about that. And we created, you know, sort of a nomination process first within staff. Okay. Because their taste is, you know, is great. And they're, you know, it's so you need so many ears. Right. So that nomination process, and then we reached out to our colleagues, you know, sort of in the audio production world, people whose tastes um, we admire to broaden out the circle a little bit. Um, and then we just started, you know, nominating both a series and episodes within. And then we talked a lot about one of the goals of the project is to show the range of audio storytelling. So I felt very strongly about having a broadcast piece in there and also, you know, an audiobook chapter. And then also just a sort of genre range, right? So, you know, the types of narrative shows mm -hmm. that we did put a couple of constraints. Obviously, the, you know, the big constraint is the year. It had to be published in 2022 which disqualified a lot of great stuff, but, you know, we just had to set some parameters. And then also um, it was narrative nonfiction. So interview shows are, are their own fantastic genre. I work on a lot of those and that is also an art, but if we widened it too much, we would never be able to <laughs> whittle down the collection. And then a lot of it was, you know, outreach, trying to explain to people what we were trying to do and asking for their inclusion. The main spirit of it is, is to highlight kind of the craft, the work. I do these little interstitial introductions about the genre or the sort of um, production technique that I think people could be listening for. But mainly I just wanted to get out of the way and let people just hear a wide range of work. And, and the adjacency of the different elements is part of the pleasure of you know, listening to a curated collection. And then you can go out and listen to the whole series if it's part of a series or so forth. So how do you hope this anthology will help blur the lines between these types of audio that we typically just limit to labels? Yeah, yeah. It's just a sort of, a, it's like a remix project, right? So you may think differently um, about a piece when you hear it right after a different type of piece. But it's also, you know, it's true, like we're listening to all of these types of productions on the same device now, you know, we're listening on our smartphones. So I think the lines are already blurred. And this is just a way of acknowledging that. And, you know, where we live in this world, so many media sources, it's also a way to step away from that sort of feed structure of, you know, just stuff coming at you. Once you subscribe to it, it sort of shows up in your phone, whether you asked it to or not, you know, until you turn off the spigot. This is a way of saying, like, I'm going to just take this book and, like, 
it's a container for so many different elements. And I don't know how people will listen to it. Um, we thought carefully about sort of the order, you know, so it starts off with highly narrated work, that sort of narrative essay type work where it's um, very written. And I think that's a, a really great genre that we didn't do in broadcast very much. So it's something kind of new in my space. And then it ends in the sort of more poetic tape constructed, we call them self-narrated or non-narrated style. Like Rumble Strip or NYT even, yeah. Yeah, and those producers do something that I I don't have the patience for, you know, <laughs> when I was producing. It's just so much listening and so much thinking about the emotional resonances between elements. So I consider it sort of a poetic form and I really admire it. And I wanted to showcase that. And, I, you know, and it's also kind of a thing that you need to sit with for a little bit. So it's a good thing to put towards the end of a collection. And then we just had an oddball sort of kicker piece from uh, Richard's famous food podcast. Cause I just, I just, I think it's hard to be funny in audio and it's hard to make inside jokes in audio. And I just, I just thought that one was, it's just a fun one to include and also counterintuitive, you know. Absolutely. I was surprised to see that on there. And I was glad to see you rumble strip because it's yeah. one of my definitely one of my favorite podcasts. What a what mm -hmm. a beautiful show. Oh, it's so gorgeous. So, you know, there are a lot of different reasons why things were in the collection. And then I think it just kind of it goes out on its own and people listen to it in different ways and come to their own conclusions about what's going on in their heads, you know, as they listen to different pieces. I mean, there's a piece about the war in Ukraine that's right up against a piece about Soviet, you know, American Cold War history. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a deliberate adjacency. And that has to do with my own interests. But it's also, I think, something that, you know, it, it sort of mimics the reality of like, you listen to a history podcast, and then you turn on the radio, and you listen to some news, and all of this stuff gets mixed up in our heads anyway. So this is a way of just sort of bringing it together in a more deliberate fashion um, and putting a bow on it and just saying like at any point you can dip into this collection and just it's it's your own thing in a way that I, I appreciate audiobooks in that way because they're just you know one decision you decide to buy the audiobook and then it's sort of like on your audio shelf <laughs> as opposed to a podcast which is more like the broadcast sort of streaming model that it's constantly washing over you and there's new material and ads and you know, it's a quieter space. So I like that nature of the anthology. I'd love to know what was most enjoyable for you and your team when you were curating this. Oh, it was so much fun to have to, to assign ourselves the job of listening to everything that's being made outside of Pushkin, you know, because we're all audio creators. The team consisted of like the audiobooks producers and editors, and then, you know, another editor on my team. And she, Sophie Crane, she ran the nomination process. So anything that got nominated, she listened to it. And also kind of, if it was part of a series, she listened to the whole series. She also just listened a lot just to make sure, you know, just sort of we weren't missing anything. And it was just so much fun to find, you know, just sort of hear about shows that we weren't paying attention to necessarily in our daily, you know, sort of listening habits. Because when you make audio, you spend a lot of time listening, especially the types of narrative shows that we work on. You listen to a lot of drafts and mixes and rough mixes and, you know, 
So your ears can get fatigued. And then, you know, when you have time off, you're just like, I'm just going to listen to that Amy Mann album again that I've listened to 45 times because it's- Totally get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was a, a chance for us to stretch. Like now I have this queue full of <laughs> stuff and I'm back in that, you know, I, I'm like, ah, I wish there was another best of that I was assigned to so I could force myself to listen through all this because it was a great feeling, you know? And then when you hear something that fit the the sort of collection, the way that we wanted to, you know, show the range of things and we didn't have anything in that genre or they were just making a move that we wanted to, you know, highlight. It was so great to be able to reach out to those producers and say, like, we want to include your piece in this collection because it's so great, you know? <laughs> Because we don't get enough love in this business. Oh, um, ain't that true? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was fantastic. And then also, I, I reached out to Neiman Storyboard, which is you know a nonprofit devoted to the craft of storytelling across all genres. I used to write a column for them back in the early days of podcasting, and I was like, I could, you know, it's still there, still up on their side. And so I reached out to the new editor, and I was like, what if I revived this for a few pieces in conjunction with the publication of this anthology? So she was game for that. And so I reached out to a few of the production teams whose work is in the collection. And it was just so great to be able to interview them and, and just ask them questions and then to write the pieces and highlight, you know, what I thought worked and what I thought people should learn from, more importantly. And one of those was, you know, this series Stolen from Gimlet and Spotify. Um, it's an autobiographical sort of exploration of residential schools in Canada that were just um, horrific for um, Indigenous children. And yeah, I've listened to that one. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that was intense. And it was nominated by one of our producers and then we highlighted an episode. And so I talked with that whole team and they were out on the field. So they came together and it was just so gratifying to talk with them. And then, of course, they got the Pulitzer and the Peabody for that same series. So I was like, wow, our taste is valid. <laughs> you know, they were doing important work and the wider journalistic community also found it and appreciated it. Um, but I got to speak with them sort of before all of that went down. And then, oh, you know, that's so amazing. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of a convergence. And I think it's a really important time as sort of the commercial luster, <laughs> you know, and sort of um, oh, for mass sure. I, I, fantasy. I hear what you're not saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> so all of that is making people sort of disoriented and depressed. Um, it's, I've been through a few cycles in the media business, so kind of always expected it to happen, but it's still not fun to see your colleagues laid off and, you know, out right. of work and so much talent going to waste when I think the listener demand is still there, but the fantasy, you know, bubble sort of popped. So to be able to talk again and have this thing, we didn't time it this way, but to be able to have a project that's like, this craft is valid, whether or not anyone is investing a bazillion dollars into it, the craft itself can sustain mm -hmm. you in certain ways. It can't necessarily sustain you financially all the time, but you know, you're pursuing something that's bigger than just um, bucks, hopefully. Cause that's really what you have to be. You have to ha be in that mindset in order to survive in this business anyway. So to have this project and to be able to thank everyone for the hard work they do and show that like we're listening and appreciating it, it was, it's been really gratifying. And I hope, you know, in some small way, it can help people feel better about all this turmoil and also help listeners appreciate what's out there, this sort of bounty um, that people work so hard to create. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of appreciation, I am curious to hear how the response to this 
project has been so far within Pushkin and outside as well? I mean, we had a nice little um, launch party pre-launch on uh, April 13th in New York City at this place called Caveat. And, you know, we invited anyone whose work was in the collection who happened to be in New York City and then, you know, people from Pushkin. And it was just really gratifying to see everybody. It was sort of like I got to be, you know, very godmother type <laughs> feeling. It wasn't an awards situation, but it was an appreciation. And, uh, you oh, know. I'm definitely getting those vibes from you, Julia. Yeah. So I think you should well, right you. into the role. <laughs> Uh, you could send me a tiara after this, but it was sort of a countercurrent to all the news about layoffs and um, disinvestment in the form and sort of unrealistic expectations and more of a grounding into like, well, this is what it's always been. And this collection is a chance to return to that sort of appreciation of craft for just a beat. Um, and then in terms of the wider, you know, audience, it's it's nice that David Sedaris wrote a foreword. He was very generous to do that. He's a huge audio fan. So it was, you know, he, he didn't take a lot of arm twisting. <laughs> um, and so, you know, that that's also what the the sort of other anthologies do. They tend to have a, a more seasoned and published writer on the cover to help people sort of like make the decision. Am I interested in this or not? Oh, I know that name. So you know, it's still an experiment and it just came out. So we don't know yet the sales figures, but I'm hoping that it will find, you know, a secondary audience in terms of educators and people who want to help students of audio understand the craft. It's sort of like a ready-made package. It's got an ISBN number, it's in libraries. Um, so that's the secondary intent. And I hope that, you know, we can do it again. And just keep it going with a, like a new curator, a new forward, a new sensibility, because that's also the joy of these collections, right? Is that every there's sort of a basic framework for them, but every year there's so much new work being done that it needs a new collection like this. Well, thank you so much, Julia, for being with us today. This was so informative and so much fun. Well, I wish you the best of luck on your new um, podcast and newsletter endeavor. I think it's a great idea. Thank you so, so much.